If, uh, if you did not receive communion as you came in, please raise your hand and one of the ushers will, will make sure you, you get that. But we're going to start our service this morning in, in remembrance. In remembrance of, of Jesus Christ, what he did. I, I love our, our times of communion when we come. Ooh, there's a little echo there. When we come and we remember why we get to celebrate, why we get to praise the name of God. And it's because of Jesus Christ. Scripture says on the night that he would be betrayed, that he, he was having a, a dinner there with his disciples. Dear close friends. And on that night, he, he took the bread a staple of most meals, something that they would do on a regular basis. But he took that bread and he broke it. He says, this, this bread is my body broken for you. What a picture of the broken body of Christ. Broken for your sin and mine. And as he broke it, he asked a blessing on it. And he told them every time they did that to remember him. So this morning we continue that. Let's ask a blessing on the bread, shall we? God, we pause. We remember that, that bread broken. a staple of everyday life, a call to remember you and your sacrifice faithfully. So this morning as we, we come to you, we remember your body broken and beaten. And God, we thank you for sending your Son to take on his body the, the penalty of sin that was ours. So God, as we come to the bread this morning, we ask a blessing on it. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Shall we partake together? Another beautiful picture. He would take the cup. And as he took it, he says, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink from it, do this in remembrance of me. What a picture of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The shed blood that was required to cover your sin and mine. Let's ask a blessing, shall we? Gracious Heavenly Father, to think of the cost, that it would cost the blood, the shed blood of your Son, the pure Lamb of God, 
to cover our sin. God, may we not take that lightly. May we understand the true cause. God's salvation being free, freely given at such a great price. So Lord, as we come to the cup this morning, we ask your blessing on it as we remember your son's sacrifice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we partake together? I love that we take communion on a consistent basis. I love that scripture doesn't tell us how often. It says, as often as you do this. And what a beautiful time for us to to remember and refocus. As we remember and refocus, I I think it's very fitting that we begin our, our new study in the book of Philippians. I am excited as, as we begin this series, and, and I was sharing this morning, this is a series that I'm, I'm kind of stoked about. I'll, I'll be honest, I have been reading through, looking at this book of Philippians, and you know what? It's just exciting. And I think as we, re, we go through this book, it, it's going to help you and I refocus. It's going to impact every area of your life, if you allow it to. I, I, I think this is just a great, oh, it's just a great series. I, I'm looking forward to this. You know, seldom do you come to, to a book in the Bible that, like Philippians, just oozes That's right, I even spelled it right in my notes. I didn't know that's how it was spelled, but it just sounded right. It is. But this book oozes with with rejoicing and joy. It oozes with grace and, and peace. I mean, how many of you right now, you're already excited about this sermon series, as just thinking about something that oozes with that much joy, peace, and 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 grace. Two of you. That's great. Wow. I don't know what kind of sermon you need then because, man. <laughs> two of you like sheepishly raise your hand. Oh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's... I don't know. I didn't expect that. Man, I thought a lot of hands would go up on that. I'm... I had, this is so much fun. And then two people raised their hand. I'm like, well, all right. Maybe more hellfire and brimstone messages are needed. I don't know. But I'm excited about this, okay? So even if you're not, I am, and you're going to have to deal with it for the next uh, several weeks as we go through this. But in this letter of, of Paul's, there is just rejoicing. And I think as you realize what's going on in Paul's life, that will be even more amazing to you. But there's great rejoicing and there's thanksgiving. Oh, the gratitude that, that comes out of this letter is just amazing. As we look at this, this letter, it's, it's, it's a missionary's letter. 
I, I want us to take time as we go through this to, to focus on our missionaries as we go through the book of Philippians. In fact, I'm going to pause right now. I want three people to raise your hands right now. You're going to volunteer for something. Three people. That's right. I have hours if you want. Okay, I got one, two, three. Okay, good. Three people. Afterwards, I want you to go to our missionary wall. I want you to pick a missionary. And I want you to contact them this week and find out how you can pray for them. You can email them, you can call them, you can write them, whatever you want. But you three have just volunteered to contact one of our missionaries and ask them how you can pray for them. And let me encourage you, if you call them, pray with them on the phone. Do that for them. Our missionaries need that. But this is a missionary writing back to his church family. It's a letter. And Philippians, and understandably, is, is probably one of the more quoted books of the Bible. I mean, why not? A book that rejoices in thanksgiving and peace and grace. I mean, it's full of that. I mean, those are the things you want hanging in your house, isn't it? I've been to Hobby Lobby. I know. It's, it's there. You know, it, <laughs> my wife looks at those things. She's like, oh, look. I'm like, all right. Well... As I was reading through this, and, and seriously, it's been really hard to be grumpy lately because I have been reading through this over a dozen times in the last few weeks. I appreciate so much the, 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 the short break on preaching to focus on preparing for this, this study. But as I, was, as I was preparing for this and reading through Philippians over and over, I'm like, oh man. There is a song that really needs the book of Philippians. I mean, this song needs, needs this. It's in desperate need. Have you ever heard the song as a kid or something? Some of you heard it as you were coming in this morning. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Okay, all right. Yeah, I love that song. As a kid, we would sing it at VBS. We'd sing it in Sunday school, all that. You know, and it was great. We'd yell, where? Down in my heart, where? You know, it was wonderful. It gave kids an opportunity to yell. It was great in church. But I always wondered, and, and I thought, man, that song really needs the book of Philippians, though. Because it would always end, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, Tuesday. I'm like, why on earth just Tuesday? I thought this my entire childhood. And I... Don't laugh at me. It wasn't laughing with me. Well, yeah. It wasn't seriously until about three weeks ago. I'm like, I'm, that song really needs Philippians. And I printed off the song, It's Not Tuesday. It's to stay. I, I looked at that and I'm like, well, that makes more sense. I mean, and it does, but we're going to sing it later. You're going to hear Tuesday when you sing it, okay? Um, it's, I'm embarrassed even. 44 years singing that song wrong. But you know, growing up, I understood that song wrong. 
I sang that song wrong because I, I didn't hear it correctly. And truth be told, I wanted to use that song as a different illustration going into this message. It's still an illustration, but not as I plan. I think there's a grave danger as we come to this, this letter of Philippians. That we will hear it wrong. We will understand it wrong. And if you hear it wrong, you understand it wrong, then you are going to apply it to your life wrong. And as we come to the Scriptures, I don't want that to happen. So I challenge you as we go through this amazing letter that Paul is writing, that you listen to the things that God has allowed to be in His Word for you and I. As we begin this book, there's to better understand it, I, I, I really think it's important that we take time to look at three different areas. First of all, the place, the culture in which we, this letter is being written to. We, we, we need to look at, at the people, and we need to look at the purpose. And as we understand these things, we will, we will get a firmer grasp of the joy, 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 joy that you and I should have to stay. The place, the culture. It's important to understand the recipients of this. The culture in which they, they lived, it was around 60, 62 A.D., a very, very difficult time to live in. In many ways, it could be compared to certain things going on even in our own time. It was a time where the government could not be trusted. There were things that were going on and there were brutal takeovers. There would be promises that would be made and they would be reneged on. Violence permeated this society. Everywhere you looked. People's lives were toyed with. It was considered entertainment to go and watch people die or kill each other. It was entertaining to watch wild animals chase after a helpless person in the auditorium or the arena, or worse yet, tie them up and watch them be devoured. Reality entertainment on a whole new level. Terrorism. was the means by which battles were fought. Ironic, there's, there's no wars going on at this time, but the people feel no peace. Human life is only valued if you have a certain status. Otherwise, it's discarded. 
The ruler, Nero. The writer of this letter, Paul. Paul is an apostle. He, he is an apostle to the Gentiles. And the recipients of this are, are greatly Gentile. And Paul, as he's writing this, we find him in prison. Ironic that we would find the book of the Bible with the most joy and thanksgiving oozing from the pages. And there Paul sits, a prisoner. He's under what's called house arrest, not like today. It would be a place that he had to pay for himself. If, if funds and, and supplies did not come in, too bad. He was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. It's under this environment that Paul writes this letter. Think about that. Think about your situation right now. I don't know, maybe you have a great situation, maybe not so great. But would you be able to write the letter that is filled with the greatest amount of joy and rejoicing and gratitude in the worst of your situations? That's Paul. And this letter goes out to a city, and the believers in that city, called Philippi. Philippi, look at the map here. This is the best I could do. Philippi is right about here. Okay? It's right in the foothills, close to the water. It's a beautiful area. Over here, you have Rome, Italy. It's part of Macedonia. And Philippi is a prosperous city. There's gold in the mountains nearby in those foothills. And they harvest that gold. This is a city that is wealthy. This city was along a, a road that Rome built called the Ignatian Way. Many of you have probably heard about it. It is what connected Rome to the east. And right at the heart is Philippi. There, there is trading there. This is a commercial city. It is part of the, the heartthrob of the power of Rome. It's named after the father of Alexander the Great. So prosperous was the city. In fact, it once was the capital of Macedonia. And this is where Paul's writing. These people have privilege. They're, they're a Roman colony. Therefore, the people in Philippi are Roman citizens. That'll come into play later on in the letter. But remember that Roman citizens, in fact, as we look at, at Philippi here, church, this is exciting. It is the very first church plant in Europe. As, as the church, as the gospel of Jesus Christ would move out through Europe, this is the very first church that is planted. And these people, 
these saints are so near and dear to the heart of Paul and Timothy. But in order for us to get to know these people just a little bit better, before we jump into our letter, we're going to go to Acts 16. Please turn to that, to that book. I know everybody's like, wait a minute, I'm in Philippians. Keep your finger there, we'll be back. But Acts 16 is an amazing um, account of, of the start of this church. We have such a detailed record of it because Paul is going there. Oops, we'll go there. Paul is going there with Dr. Luke. Remember, Dr. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. And he's with them as they go to the city of Philippi. We'll see later that he ends up staying there. He has such a heart for these people. But as he goes there, he, before he goes, he's going to pick up a young man named Timothy. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And the, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Jump down to verse 3, and it says, Paul wanted this man to go with him. Isn't that awesome? Paul comes, and he's like, Ah, oh, Timothy, I want you to go with me. We are going to be planting churches. I want you to be a part of it. We'll see that this letter is from Paul and Timothy. I want you to jump down to verse 6. Have you ever had a situation, wow, that did not come across well. You know, sometimes things just don't come out as plain. You thought your font was small last week. I mean, really, this is, you are going to actually have to open up your Bibles, okay? Because that font in your Bible is going to be much bigger than that, okay? But, but in verse 6, have you ever had a situation where you're like, God, here's my plans? And God's like, that's cute. I want you to do this. This is the situation here with Paul. You're like, whoa, Paul had that too? Yeah. The great apostle Paul said, God, these are some plans. I want to go. I want to go here. I want to do this. I want to do this. I love that Paul wants to serve God and go places. But God is directing him. Look at verse 6. They passed through Phrygian uh, and Galatia region having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithany. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
That's, that's a good clue. You know, God gives you a vision and says, hey, come help us. Okay, we'll go. So putting out to the sea from Troas, we ran a straight course so to uh, Somathrace. There we go. We'll just call it that. And on the day following to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we are staying in the city for some days. Now, as they are there, as Paul's custom, he would go into a city and he would find the synagogue. Paul had a heart for, for the Jews. But in this town, there was no synagogue, which we can determine that there's not a lot of Jews there because in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 Jewish men. So in this city, there's not even 10 Jewish men that can form a synagogue. So the, those that are, are worshiping God meet somewhere else. Listen to what it says. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were suppose, uh, supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who were assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. I just want to say something real quick. In order for the gospel to be received, it has to be heard. The message of Jesus Christ. And Paul delivers that. And this is the situation. They're there and, and the church form forms there. Those believe in Christ there at the river. And they say, please, please come. You're going to stay with us. And, and they stay, and they're teaching, and they're preaching. And all of a sudden, there's this girl that is possessed by a demon, and she follows after them. And she's like, hey, these guys are from God, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know what? I, I really love that the Scripture says this. It says, Paul got irritated. I'm like, Phew. it's okay to get irritated from time to time, maybe, right? Well, Paul cast the demon out of this young girl. And because of this, these people that, that had her as a slave, they would use the demon to make money and all of this, and now their way of making money is taken away. Immediately, they cause a riot and, and hatred towards Paul and Silas. Where Luke and Timothy are is somewhere else, but Paul and Silas were together when this occurred. And the riot goes, and they, without even... Without even going before a judge and having a proper trial. Out of the anger and rage, they are cap taken captive and they are stripped and they are beaten with rods. And they're thrown into prison. Now I understand your first response to that situation would be, let's praise God. Right? I don't know if it would be mine. I'd be licking my wounds. I'd be looking up to God and saying, you know, God, I really thought you wanted us here. I thought that this was your plan. 
I, I truly think that might have been my heart. But not Paul and Silas. As they are there, they look at the situation and they're like, this is a great opportunity. Let's be a testimony for Jesus Christ. Look what happens. They're in prison. They're put in stocks, which I would imagine would be very uncomfortable after being beaten with rods. They're in the heart of the prison. Verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I can understand that. But the next part and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Who are these men? Who prays to their God after that? Who sings praises after that? And as they are doing so, an earthquake comes. And it shakes the prison doors, it shakes the chains, it shakes the stocks, and all the prisoners are free. The jailer comes in thinking they've all escaped, knowing what is coming. He goes, draws his sword to fall on it, and Paul goes, No! <laughs> don't do that! You don't know my Jesus yet! See, Paul has a heart and a passion for people to know his Jesus. He goes, don't do that. We're all here. We haven't done that to you. I, I can only imagine being that jailer. Seeing all those prisoners there. Thinking about what your fate might have been. Had they escaped? I would imagine weeping, he falls at Paul's feet and he goes, Sir, what must I do to be saved? I wonder what that jailer was hearing. I wonder what prayers he heard as they cried out to their God in thanksgiving and praise. As they sang those songs and praises to their God. What was that jailer hearing? But whatever it was, when he saw them, he says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And this is Paul's answer. It's beautiful. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You and your household. It's not just for you, Mr. Jailer. It is for your whole home. They too can receive this. Jesus died for them too. It's beautiful how the jailer takes him into his family. His family hears the message. They come to Christ. I mean, even in prison, Paul's like, let's build the church. Verse 40. First of all, the people of Philippi wanted Paul and Silas out of there. When they found out that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, that they were beaten unjustly without a trial, they were terrified. Because they could go straight to Rome and, well, these leaders would, would have their necks. So they encouraged them, why don't you just leave? Why don't you leave quietly? So as they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, 
And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them, and they departed. God was moving them on. The church would grow. Already has the jailer, his household, the many others, Lydia and her household, and the others who have come to Christ. And this is the church, this is the people that Paul has fallen in love with, who are so near and dear to his heart. I mean, think about it. The church was founded on rejoicing. I mean, even in a prison cell. These people understand joy. And we come to the book of Philippians. You're like, well, it's about time. My goodness. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. What a beautiful way to describe yourselves. Slaves of Christ, those serving Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! That's the way to start a letter, isn't it? First of all, I love that they start letters and they tell who's writing the letter. You don't have to go to the last page. You're like, oh, this is from Paul, great. And you understand who's saying all these things. Paul and Timothy are are writing these these dear saints. Did you see? I I personally love this. He includes the deacons and elders. Did you know that your deacons and your elders are part of the the flock as well? We're, We're fellow sheep, leading sheep. We serve as under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. Paul says, I I want you to know you guys are included in this too. Did you see how he greeted them with grace and peace? Not just any grace, not just any peace, but the grace and peace that you find in God and Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if every time we came up to each other, and, and we saw each other, I'm like, hey, Nathan, I just want to extend God's grace and peace to you as, as, as we interact here. Boy, talk about setting the tone for a conversation. Talk about setting the tone for fellowship. To come together and, and greet each other with grace and peace. Beautiful. This is a genuine letter. A genuine, heartfelt letter from Paul to, to truly bring to these people the joy that Paul and Timothy have for these people. You're like, we have already gone over and we have not even discussed the purpose. Well, not to worry. We're going to go through that real quick here. The purpose is laid out beautifully in, in Philippians. I'm not always a fan of the chapter breaks and stuff, but in Philippians, it's, it's perfect. It's a wonderful setup as, as, as rejoicing and, and peace uh, just exude from these pages. In chapter 1, we see that rejoicing, there is rejoicing and serving. 
Look at this. There's rejoicing in the circumstances. Paul goes through and describes everything he's going through in chapter 1, but we see that there's joy. There's rejoicing selflessly in chapter 2. It's a beautiful chapter on humility. It's a beautiful chapter as we look at, at the example of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, rejoicing and sufferings, refocusing. Sometimes we look at the sufferings rather than the one who's going through the suffering with us. Paul beautifully describes warnings against those who would steal their joy and a charge to press on. In chapter 4, what a way to end a letter. He says, listen guys, I rejoice because God is sufficient. Jesus Christ is sufficient. And he reminds them of this as, as they go on. And he finished that, that letter off with peace and grace. So we come here today and we struggle with that Tuesday mindset. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. But if not, let me explain. I've titled this series, Joyful Living for This Earthly Life. I really struggled with the title. For a while there, I wanted to say, Joyful Living for This Crappy Life. And you chuckle because you can understand, you can relate. But this earthly life is, is a mindset. This crappy life looks at the situations. Think about some of the situations that are going on right now. Destruction from hurricanes. None of you suffering with that. We live in Colorado. But I venture to say you know some folks. We think of the farmers as they face potential with the hurricane. But either way, we have all experienced loss and suffering. The church is not immune from the struggles of divorce. The heartache of a marriage that, that struggles where there's hurt. There's those within the body of Christ that struggle with loneliness. Some may be sitting in a room full of people this morning and still struggle with that. It's not loneliness, loneliness in your struggles because no one else knows the heart struggles. Maybe there's a loved one suffering with an illness, a disease, health troubles. Maybe the heartache of a child walking away from the Lord and the grief you bear as a parent, as a grandparent. Living in a world where 
the value of a life within the womb is even discussed or debated. We live in a world confused or in outright denial of the beautiful way God has created man and woman, male and female. We live in that world. We deal with those things. We, we deal with the world that there are concerns over the political temperature, the division that we see both even in our state and our country. Not to mention when we look on the global pl- platform. And we live with those things. There's the uncertainty of economic times, the struggles of increase, of cost, expense, and the burden that comes with that. The rejection of those talking about you behind your back. And greater and greater we see an antagonism towards those who follow Jesus Christ. Even in our own nation. So yeah. There's good reason to come to this and think. Joyful living for the crappy life. Because there's nothing good about that. There's nothing good about those situations. And so we look for Tuesday. As we look at our situation, we look for Tuesday, we're like, oh, if only there was a situation I could rejoice about, if I could be happy about, and I look for Tuesday, but Tuesday doesn't come. It seems that day after day, it's Monday. And we look. Because Tuesday, when we look at it, is based on feelings. Tuesday is based on our emotions. Tuesday is based on our situation. But we look for it. But God. Philippians is the but God. But God intervened. We celebrated it today with communion. Jesus Christ coming down, giving His life, His death, burial, His resurrection. And joy. Joy came to live in you and me. Scripture says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What? Joy? Love, joy, peace, patience. It goes on. It is joy. And joy came to live in you and in me. To indwell every day of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The joy is there to stay. And that is why when we come to this wonderful book of Philippians, it is the greatest antidote to the Tuesday believer. And you and I can all be that believer where we look for Tuesday instead of the joy within. And Philippians is that beautiful antidote. So when you and I come, we can sing joy, joy, joy to stay. And so I'm going to ask right now that Nathan and Krista would come and lead us in 